Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We start with an update on COVID matters for contractors. On July 29th, the White House announced, open quote, that every federal government employee an on-site contractor will be asked to attest to their vaccination status. Anyone who does not attest to being fully vaccinated will be required to wear a mask on the job, no matter their geographic location, physically distant from all other employees and visitors, comply with a weekly or twice weekly screening testing requirement, and be subject to restrictions on official travel, close quote. And I should add that uh, late last week, uh, the White House posted additional guidance about how that's going to be implemented and answered some uh, questions that had been percolating up since that announcement. The White House also said, and this is another quote, these rules should not only apply to federal workers and on-site contractors, but that President Biden is directing his team to take steps to apply similar standards to all federal contractors. In his remarks on July 29th, the president said, open quote, if you want to do business with the federal government, get your workers vaccinated, close quote. So there's a lot of guidance out there right now. Um, most of it is coming from the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force, which is an interagency task force that's part of the White House COVID-19 response team. And it talks about the different steps that are necessary if you are vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, or if you don't want to disclose your vaccination status. And as I mentioned, there are a ton of questions out there, especially because much of this is being done on an agency by agency basis. So there's a lot to figure out. We're looking at this and the agency is issuing FAQs um, to answer things that are coming up. So, so there's a lot there and uh, obviously uh, an evolving situation that we're watching closely. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Yuan to talk about a proposed rule regarding Buy American Act and an update on the migration away from the done system for SAM.gov. So with that, Yuan, I'll turn it over to you. Thanks, Peter. Now, on July 30th, the FAR Council issued a proposed rule to implement President Biden's Executive Order 14005 on ensuring the future of America is made in America by all of America's workers. Now, the proposed rule seeks to further increase the domestic content percentage for the Buy American Act and also creates new policies aimed at increasing the domestic production of critical goods and components. Now, the proposed rule advances three major policies changes. First, it proposes phased increases in the percentage of domestic component costs that's needed for an end product to qualify as domestic. So it jumps initially to 60%, then goes to 65% for deliveries occurring in calendar years 2024 through 2028, and then further increases to 75% for deliveries scheduled for 2029 or beyond. Now, if no offered end product qualifies as domestic under these new thresholds, or it's determined to be offered at an unreasonable cost, then the contracting officer is instructed to evaluate as domestic any offered end products with more than the current threshold of 55% domestic content. The proposed rule also introduces a framework for increasing the price evaluation preferences for products, 
and construction materials that are considered critical to the domestic supply chain, including end products or construction materials containing critical components. Now, this price evaluation preference is going to vary for each product, material, or component that the government deems as critical as defined through subsequent rulemakings that's going to occur at least once every four years. And finally, the rule would require contractors to report the specific domestic content of such designated critical products, materials, and components with the exception of cost items. Now turning to an update on those DUNS numbers. On July 28th, the GSA shared a blog post on its outreach site, GSA Interact, announcing the final transition deadline of April 4th, 2022 from the nine digit data universal numbering system, the DUNS number, to the new 12 digit alphanumeric unique entity ID codes in SAM.gov. Now on that date, no new DUNS numbers are going to be issued and only the new UEI numbers will be provided in SAM.gov data and reports. Now the GSA noted that agencies will begin to migrate to the UEI between now and April 4th, 2022, and all entities registered in SAM.gov have already been assigned to UEI, which is viewable in the entity registration record in SAM.gov. Now, the GSA also stated that entities should prepare their own internal systems to accept the new UEI numbers and to stop using the DUNS numbers for federal awards processes by April 2022. Peter? Great. Thanks, Yuan. Uh, two quick additional items for our listeners. The first, on July 28th, President Biden issued a national security memorandum on improving cybersecurity for critical infrastructure control systems. That memo directs CISA, that's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and the National Institute of Standards and Technology, along with other agencies, to develop cybersecurity performance goals for critical infrastructure companies. That memo also formally establishes the Industrial Control Systems Cybersecurity Initiative, which is a voluntary collaborative effort between the government and industry to encourage and facilitate deployment of technology and systems that provide threat visibility, indications, detection, and warnings, and also to facilitate uh, industry response capabilities as well in the event of an incident. Second, on July 26th, a bipartisan group of senators led by Senator Grassley introduced a bill titled False Claims Amendments Act of 2021, which seeks to make a number of amendments to the False Claims Act. There's a lot there, but I'll just highlight a couple of them. The bill would allow the government or a relator to establish materiality by preponderance of the evidence, and further that a defendant may only rebut an argument of materiality by clear and convincing evidence. The bill would also allow the government to move for costs for responding to a party's discovery request and key TAM actions the government has declined to intervene in, and for grants and motions to dismiss by the DOJ, new language would be added concerning the hearing to be afforded to a relator facing such a motion, specifying that, open quote, at the hearing, the government shall have the burden of demonstrating reasons for dismissal and the relator shall have the ability to show that the reasons are fraudulent, arbitrary, capricious, or contrary to law. Last, it's important to note uh, that the words current or former would be added to make the FCA's anti-retaliation provision applicable to actions taken against any 
current or former employee, contractor, or agent. So obviously this is still pending. We expect further discussion and deliberation, but a lot to focus on here as it relates to the False Claims Act. And with that, we will close it out. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks for listening. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.